Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers the true reason it's off limits. Discover Doom Doom Secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. Sometimes, our best ideas can come from combining two of our passions. Haley DeRocher took her love for reading and her love for art and combined them to create something new and unique. She sells beautiful artwork on her website in a variety of different forms, including prints, t-shirts, and even blankets. She has also illustrated a number of classic novels, bringing her own unique style and voice to some of the world's most famous books, including The Great Gatsby and Pride and Prejudice. She shares with us her journey to starting a business, how best to represent a novel through illustration, what makes a classic enduring, and more. Also, a reminder that if you enjoy this podcast, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this week's conversation. Thanks so much, Haley, for joining the podcast. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what came first for you, reading or painting? Reading came first. I started reading very young. My first memory of like being interested in books is my parents had a bookshelf and they had just a few of the Nancy Drew series books. And there was one that had a really pretty cover and I was just like mesmerized by it. And I remember constantly taking it off the shelf. And eventually I went on to, when I, as soon as I learned how to read, I started reading those books and became very uh, invested in that whole series. And I got almost all of the, those books. And I went through just a phase where I was reading them all the time. And then after that, I just, I read everything. I read probably five to 10 books a week when I was young. I would go to the library and check out like 20 books at a time. How many did your library card allow? Or was it one of those things where your family had like 10 library cards and you're, you're, you're maximizing each of them? I think I just maxed it out. And I don't really remember what the limit was. But I, I remember I would walk to the library with a big bag and I would fill it completely full. And then I would come home, I'd read all the books, and then I just do the same thing. And it was just like my routine. That's so fun. And when did the illustrating and the painting come into the picture then? I was always wanting to make art when I was young. And I, I remember always being interested in, in creating things. I don't remember when I started painting specifically, but I think, uh, you know, my mom is an artist. Or she's very artistic and uh, she was always doing projects. So I think that had a big influence on me. And then in school, I always loved art class and there were a few of, I guess, my teachers or other adults in my life really encouraged me. And my, when I made art, they, they like, you know, told me that it was really good. And then that kind of made me want to keep making more art. So it started from a very early age. And then this connection with 
the painting and the reading, did that happen recent for you? Or was this something that you started drawing pictures of your favorite books earlier? When I was young, I wanted to be a writer. I I was always writing stories and then drawing pictures to go alongside them. So like when I was in elementary school, that age, I would like carry a journal around with me. I would, you know, I would write stories and I would illustrate them. I think like as far as making art inspired by novels the way that I do now, I probably started doing that in college, just letting the my inspiration from the book sort of uh, translate into paintings. Do you remember what the first book that you tackled was? Um, No, I don't actually. Probably... I remember doing illustrations from uh, inspired by Les Mis by Victor Hugo, but that was just, I mean, it was just doodles really. I wasn't like, I wasn't, I didn't have my business or anything at that time. When did you decide to start the business and how did that come about? I opened my business in 2013. I had just graduated college and I had just gotten married because I got married the summer after I graduated, I graduated with an English degree. So I did a lot of reading in college, um, but I knew that I didn't want to be a teacher or anything. Um, I was always making art, and one day I just decided to go for it and try to make money off of my art. I, I didn't even really put much planning into it. I just sort of went for it, and it's really like just built on itself over the years. When I first opened, I wasn't doing exactly what I'm doing now. So, what did you start with? What was the first project? I was making little paintings that were more just like pithy sayings, um, not necessarily inspired by books, but just like common, well known sayings. I would make like um, little magnets or pins. And then eventually, a few months after I started doing all that, I started focusing on literary inspired products. And so I started making bookmarks and all the uh, just different types of art that was all literary inspired. And so then it just grew and grew from there. And so then you started illustrating full novels. Um, yeah. Now I know the fir- you said the first one that you did way back you don't remember what it was, but you remember the first one since you started your business? Yeah, my first, I started doing, illustrating these uh, classics uh, in, my first one I did in 2020. So it's only been a couple years since I've started doing those. Um, and I, the first novel that I illustrated was Summer by Edith Wharton. Wow, that's incredible. So you you started this relatively recently. If you go on your website, you would never guess that because you have done already so many and you know, and just the quality of the work it seems like each of these takes you a long amount of time. How many illustrations are in each of the books? I do a minimum of 10 illustrations per book, and most of them have like 12 to 15. And how do you go about deciding what book that you want to do so like um i know that it's probably tied a little bit to some of the public domain aspects of these but you know there's hundreds and hundreds of books there uh how do you go about deciding which ones are a good fit for your style and that you want to spend time releasing 
Yeah. So all of the books that I have illustrated are books that I've read several times and that just deeply inspire me and that I can return to again and again and not grow tired of them. Uh, Like with Summer by Edith Wharton, I first read it when I was in high school. And it's a book that not a lot of people have read, not a lot of people know about. It's not one of Edith Wharton's uh, more famous novels. And when I first discovered that I could do this, I wanted to create, it was more for myself than even, I just, I was like, I want to make a really pretty edition of this book because I love it so much. And you can't really buy it. I mean, there's not very many places that many publishers that that put this book out and I've never, there's, I've never seen an illustrated edition. So that's really why I started to, I mean, from the beginning, because I wanted my own (laughs) pretty edition of this book. The rest of the books are just, um, some of them are very famous. I have done Pride and Prejudice and that's one that you could get anywhere, but it's just a book that I, I love it so much. and there are so many quotes and so many things that I'm inspired by and that I want to paint. And what do you think it is about books from that time period that allow certain ones? Because obviously there are hundreds of books from that time period to hundreds of years ago that are kind of lost to time. Um, But then there's ones that are enduring and read by many every single year, you know, something like a Pride and Prejudice. And then there's these I guess the way you were describing it, you feel like summer is almost this hidden gem, right? Like it's something that that's there, but maybe not talked about as much as you feel that it should be. But with both of those kind of those latter two, what do you think it is that makes a work of art enduring that someone can appreciate it a hundred years later? Because not every book is like that. Yeah, I think some of it is... Well, obviously the, the mastery of the craft, how the author wrote it, and if it's uh, widely, if if it's widely relatable, because with a book like Pride and Prejudice, you can read it, you know, 150 years after it was written and you can still relate to the characters. It's timeless and it's relatable. Um, but I think that some of it too, some you know, that makes a, a book popular like Pride and Prejudice, even 150 years later, I think is that the public reception to it. Um, I think if enough people talk about it and share it with other people, then it becomes sort of cemented into the classic canon. Whereas these other books, some of these other books, like I think that Edith Wharton is my favorite author. And there are a few of her books that are still regarded as, uh, you know, are a class classics in the classical canon, and they people know about them and talk about them. So, *The Age of Innocence*, *The House of Mirth*, uh, *Ethan Fromm*; those are her well-known novels. But then she's she wrote, I think, forty, maybe forty books in her life, and so many of those novels are no longer talked about, no longer published or printed but they're they're still really good and i think that they just didn't get the hype at the time and they and they've just sort of been forgotten but i don't think that they're any less i don't think that they're any worse than her more popular novels i mean some of them are not as good but some of them are equally amazing and yet they just sort of yeah got forgotten so when you approach one of these books where does 
the process for illustrating it start? How do you come up with what images you want to put next to the text and on the cover for that matter? Um, when I read these books, a lot of times I, it's hard to explain even what happens in my brain, but I sort of like get images in my head, like a a vision in my head, not like a, not like a vision of a painting, but like the, the mood of the story kind of represents itself in images or colors or, um, specific symbols. And, And so I sort of get like, after I finish a book, I sort of have an idea of like colors and like a mood kind of. And then I, from there, I just sort of, sometimes I'll look at paintings, like classic paintings or like landscape images and just try to um, zone in on like what, what I want my collection of paintings for the novel to look like and like what, how, how, like how they'll, Uh, relate to each other and be cohesive as a group it's very hard to explain that probably doesn't make any sense no I think it makes some sense so so you really it's it's almost like you know so I write books and right now I'm looking to publish my first novel and so I've been talking with different cover artists and a lot of their process is similar to what you're describing for illustrating a you know modern release as you're talking about illustrating something that's already come out where you're really trying to find some sort of essence that's there, not always something literal from the book, but something that just carries the mood of the book. But yeah, I think there's this kind of extra layer for you, right? Because this book, the at least the majority of the books that you're doing that I see on your site, they carry something with them already. Like they might already have a famous cover or people have expectations or images that come to their mind because the stories are so famous. And so I think it's really interesting for me to look through your catalog because you've built this collection of covers and of course the inside illustration. But when I'm looking at all your books together, I'm looking specifically at the covers and seeing how cohesive your whole collection is. So they're kind of, you're tying these books together as it almost feels like it's something important and personal to you but then also you offer this extra way of looking at it it almost feels like like a a different a different way of like holding that work in your hands because it's almost like you're treating it like a new release or something like that yeah i mean it's definitely my my interpretation of of the novel and my paintings cuz other people might not see it the way that i see it when i read it but and so like when I'm illustrating, when I'm making these paintings, I want to I want to capture the book, but I want to capture my own like what I get out of the book. I want to capture like what the book means to me when I'm reading it. You know, again, going through your website, you also have these kind of adorable cloth books for babies that are featuring mm-hmm. your art, too. How did that how did that idea come about? That came about after my first child was born. Uh, he's six years old. Um, and when he was born, I actually rebranded my shop and I started offering some baby items. And I just really wanted to make something for him that was that would teach him about classic literature. And I didn't really see much of that that was available at the time. I think there's more of it now. But I, at that time, I didn't, I was doing everything. I was hand painting everything 
when I first started doing this. So I actually started making these baby books by hand painting fabric and then sewing them together. And it was, I mean, it took a long time, but it was really fun. And I still have some of the original ones. Um, they were very popular when I, when I released them, when I first released them. And eventually, I, I mean, I couldn't hand paint them all anymore. So I started getting the, my designs printed onto fabric. And then I, so I started doing the fabric, uh, you know, cloth baby books the way that they are now. Wow. That's incredible. So, so you were taking orders in on these, but also hand painting every single individual order. Mm -hmm. So did you have like a concept that almost like a, like someone who might make a, um, and obviously your version would be much more labor intensive than this, but I'm like remembering art class in high school or middle school when you would like carve something into um, like a stamp and then, you know, make prints. Like, do you have a original that you're looking at and then replicating your own art on each copy or is that how it worked? So for each design, I think I had maybe eight different books that I was selling at that time. And I had made one of each of them for my son. So, and then I just did the exact same thing for each one. And the designs of those were more simplistic than what I sell now, because I can do more complicated paintings because I'm not hand painting everything. So they were more, they were more simplistic, but I was, I was just hand painting everything based on that original one that I had made for my son. So you mentioned that the way that you're coming up with which ones to do here are things that you feel are important to instill in a child or how do you go about choosing what you want to put in one of those books? I just wanted to share my favorite books with my son in a way that he could actually like participate in because he was a baby at the time. So I was just choosing, honestly, I was just choosing my favorite books, books that I thought would be fun for a child to have a version of. So I think like back then I had Baby's Guide to Macbeth, which was a just a fun one to do. I had Baby's Guide. To, I had, I think it started with Baby's Guide to American Literature and Baby's Guide to British Literature. And then I had like Baby's Guide to Great Books and I just put my favorite books in there. Yeah, so it was fun. Wow, and then you're doing this too while you have a new baby. And of course, uh, to, today your family has grown to uh, four children. And I'm sure that your home is even busier than it was back then. <laughs> so I guess what is it about doing your art and running your business that among all of the chaos with you know, having kids in the household and also running the business and creating things. What keeps you going in this endeavor and why do you keep creating things? It honestly brings me joy. I think I would go crazy if I didn't have an outlet like this. The thing about that I love about my business is that I can share, I, I can create art, but I'm also sharing my favorite books with other people who care about books and I love talking about books with people. So this gives me an opportunity to, you know, express myself in art, but also share my favorite books with other people. And, um, you know, other people get excited about 
I, I like it when people get excited about the same books that I'm excited about. And it is just, yeah, it brings me joy. Yeah. And it sounds like it's a combination then of joy, but also some sort of meaning, right? Like it's, yes. it's not, it's something that goes beyond like what you were saying, sharing that passion as well. Like it's, it's not just some arbitrary thing that, oh, you can paint whatever and it's just fun to paint. It's something that specifically speaks to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if I didn't have um, a business and an audience and like a specific purpose in and direction in this, I don't think that I would sit down every night to paint. But because I have, I know that there are people who are there who enjoy my art and enjoy you know, the books that I talk about, it gives me more of like a motivation to, to keep creating. Cause I don't want to, that's a part of, I mean, creating, being an artist, I'm not making art solely for myself. I'm making art to share with other people and to let other people have that glimpse of uh, the joy that I feel when I'm inspired by something. So we talked about the different types of projects that you do from these cloth children's books to illustrating full-length novels to the, your bookmarks and all these things. Do you like to play around with new product ideas? How do you go about adding something new to the shop that you might not have done before? It, normally it's, you know, I want or need something in my own life. And so I start experimenting or like I see something um, like I started making these pressed flower bookmarks uh, last year just because I love flowers and I loved the pressed flowers that I was I, I found some pressed flowers and I wanted to turn that into a product. So it was just, you know, it's just something that would I thought would be fun to add to the shop. And then I love um, I love sewing as well. So sometimes I'll just start messing around and experimenting with stuff. And if it's something that ends up working, I might add it to the shop. What are some of the sewing projects that that you've done in the past? I make and sell blankets. um, And I make book sleeves too. That's what I offer in the shop that I sew. And then um, I've sewn lots of things, clothes and uh, stuffed animals just for fun for my family, my family. Wow. Okay. So this is kind of blowing my mind right now because, because I've been <laughs> on your shop and I'm looking through things. I don't know if I just wasn't reading enough or how I missed it. That Okay. So I see these blankets and I think, oh, like you found somewhere to print on a blanket and then you carry it. But this is, you're sewing those blankets from scratch or what's that process like? So I get the fabric printed. So I create patterns with my artwork. And then it, there's a company that prints the patterns for me onto fabric. And then I sew the blankets myself in my home studio. Okay, I see. So so you get the fabric in and then you make it into a blanket or a, I guess whatever you see fit for creating something with those. Like the book sleeves you were saying too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's really cool. And it, I also see like you do candles and things like that. So is that all you're doing that by hand as well? I don't make the candles. Somebody um, somebody else makes them. But yeah, that was a fun, fun thing. I think I might be doing more candles in the future. And does having a new product, like it, 
do you like the challenge of that? I guess, like, what are your favorite parts of that process when you're coming up with a new idea? It is exciting to kind of have a new idea and then start executing it. Because when it all comes together, it's just really, it's very satisfying to, uh, you know, you you start with an idea and you're like, I don't know if this is really going to pan out, but then you know, when it works out, it's very satisfying and fun. And then people get excited about new products too. Well, Haley, it's been so awesome just learning about your process and the reasons behind why you create and all these different projects that you do. Can you tell us how to get to your website and how to follow you on Instagram, where to see your work? Yep. So I have a website, sweetsequels.com, where I sell my all my products. And then um, you can follow me on Instagram at Sweet Sequels. I also sell digital copies, like digital art on my on Etsy. So if you want to print, that is a digital download. You can get one of those on Etsy at Sweet Sequels as well. Well, great. And we'll have links to all of those things in the show notes for this episode, as well as on the website, causeofcraft.com. Uh, thanks again, Haley. Um, it was just a pleasure meeting you and talking more about your craft. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can purchase Haley's work at sweetsequels.com and follow her on Instagram at sweetsequels. Links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation, I've interviewed a number of other artists on the show, including Evan Harrington on episode 12 and Elaine Tolsma Harlow on episode 7. And if you like the podcast, please consider sharing with a friend and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those things really help the show grow. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. That's J-O-N at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.